Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. Hello, welcome back to episode 121 of the Dishonomics Podcast. First things first, for those who haven't listened to last week's podcast, it's probably the right time to do so um, regarding what prorogation of parliament is. With regards to Boris Johnson, one of the first few of his crazy acts regarding parliament. And later on in this podcast, I'm going to update you on some more craziness that's going on. By the time you've heard this, things may have changed. I'm going to call this on a Wednesday, the 4th of September. The episode before that, I believe, was with Jamila talking veganism. So make sure you check that out, as well as the one before with my boy Ed, aka Ghana and Ghost from Teen Touchdowns podcast, discussing if we should legalize weed or not, or marijuana, or whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't smoke so much of them things there. Anyway, this week's episode, I am discussing racism in sports. We're going to talk racism in football. I'm going to tie it into the NFL. And it's going to make sense why I'm going to tie that in. And I've got some questions from the listeners that I want to answer at the end. So, I think <laughs> those that follow me on social media or know me, this is one of the few topics I'm quite passionate about. Obviously, I'm black and sport is my biggest passion by far, so it makes sense. Um, when you see basically the inequities faced by um, black people in society is concentrated and really shown in sports and we've seen loads and loads of examples of that over the last year or so and in the last few weeks it's been like truncated loads and loads of examples and I will first like to play you a clip from John Barnes and why people like him are an issue and why to a lesser extent Jay-Z has kind of mirrored this type of madness so I want to play the clip first things first which is I think this clip came out yesterday in love with football, let him give up football. Mm. And then him go into the real world as a young black man without an education, without being able to play football, then he'll see what it's really like to be a black person who is racially abused. So as much as footballers want to talk about how terrible it is for them, look at what's happening with the black community of kids who don't have an education, they haven't got jobs. And if he thinks that that's bad, let him go into the real world and see what real discrimination is about. So, you know, I think that we're now coming full circle in talking about we're trying to do something to change. So let's use these yeah. black superstar footballers to tell us what we should do mm. and tell us how terrible it is for them. What they should do to use their voice, talk about discrimination where it really hurts people in the inner cities with kids who can't get jobs or opportunities. Mm. I heard he signed a nice new contract. Is he willing to give that contract up because he's falling out of love with football? I don't think he is. So, mm. you know, l- 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 let's not get it blown out of proportion, of proportion, of proportion, of proportion, of proportion. So those are the words of John Barnes. This is the brother that um, said Liam Nielsen bravery should get him a medal because Liam Nielsen was nice enough to admit that after um, somebody he knew, I can't remember if it's a girlfriend or a friend or cousin or something, a woman, I think she was, I think it was either sexually assaulted or attacked by a black man and he wanted to, he was walking the streets or wherever he was with a kosh looking into bash the head of, and I quote, black bastard. And John Barnes thinks this level of bravery in terms of him admitting that deserves a medal. There's a word that I want to use, but I ain't going to try to use on my man. So, regards to his comments, that is so absurd. And why I think it's absurd is racism is a thing experienced by human beings. Just because you happen to be significantly more talented than 99.9% of the population that happens to be a professional footballer at the highest level does not mean that you are less human than anybody else. You're still a human being. When people are being racist to you or racially, um, or racially abusing you, it's still going to affect you. In fact, <laughs> racial abuse from tens of 
footballers probably receive worse racial abuse from than the average person because if you look at the example, some of the examples I'm gonna give you later, it's hundreds, sometimes thousands of people giving you racial abuse at once. And because of the nature of your job, you can't actually go and address it. You can't. You can't. What is the real world? Sancho lives in the real world. He just happens to be at the higher end of it. What makes him think that Sancho hasn't experienced these same things before he was a superstar footballer? We've seen LeBron James have the word nigger painted on his walls. Is he not part of the real world? Like, this doesn't make any sense. He's talking to his love for the game. He's racism start making starting to make him question his love for the game. And John Barnes is saying that's not a real issue, real world issue. So when women are experiencing sexism at work, and it starts to make them question, do I really want this job? Is that not a real world issue? What's the difference between Sancho experiencing racism in his workplace? On women experiencing sexism in her workplace, whether it be at the NHS, whether it be in an investment bank, whether it be in a betting shop. The only difference is their compensation. It's just that Sancho happens to be getting hundreds of thousand pounds a week, allegedly. It's so dangerous when, and I think it's on, I think they do this on purpose. When I say they, I mean the media companies. It's very rare, in my opinion, they get on a black person, if it's discussions, um, racism, if it would be a black man or articulated black woman, where they can come in and challenge the stereotypes, the misconceptions, and the dumb actions that are experienced by black people. They always seem to get somebody that's going to be a sympathizer. I can imagine Joe Bloggs reading this out. Yeah, yeah, what's Sancho talking about racism? Yeah, fair enough, it's bad, but come on, mate, you're making 190 grand a week. Making 190 grand a week or 190 pounds per week ain't going to change the fact that people are making you feel small due to the, to the crime you've committed of having to be a certain colour. It's John Barnes. It's so idiotic Beyond the realms of comprehension. I don't get it. Why are you out here on TV cooning like this? It's just wild. Just cooning for no... And I don't even like using that word. That's how... For me to use that word, that's how strongly I feel about this. I can't I can't believe him. And this is off the back of what's happened to Lukaku. So on Saturday, um, I think it was the 31st of August, um, Romain Lukaku, he was playing for Inter Milan away at Calorie. And he was actually receiving racial abuse. Italy, shock, shock. Loads and loads. You could hear that on the videos, monkey chants. Ridiculous. Inter Milan fans came out today and today's Wednesday the 4th, or was it yesterday, um, Tuesday the 3rd of September, saying those monkey chants aren't offensive. In fact, they're a sign of respect. Like, how could you chant in monkey at a black person be a sign of respect? What? That makes no sense to me. And that's just another example of the people who are not the oppressed group sweeping these issues under the carpet. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a sign of respect. Same way when um, there's this um, derogatory chant that United fans were singing about Lukaku, basically saying he had a big black penis really. And Lukaku was like, listen, this chant isn't cool, stop singing it. And the United fans on Twitter are like, what are you talking about? It's, it's a compliment. Da, da, da. No, it's the fetishization of somebody. Being fetishizing somebody is not a compliment. And why can't a man say, I don't like this? And you're still doing it. I'm like, how entitled are you, you flipping peasant? It doesn't make sense to me. Before Lukaku, it was Paul Pogba from Manchester United. He committed a crime away at walls of missing a penalty. So he's getting dozens and dozens of racial abuse on Twitter. And I could talk for days about the racially motivated agenda on Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba has not been seen acting a damn fool abroad or anywhere. He is not known for drinking or taking drugs. He is not known for wild partying. He has 
as far as the media are aware, 0.00 misdemeanors outside of football. In football, he's not a cheat. He's not a diver. He's not a, he's not like an aggressive, dirty fowler. He's not somebody that's always shouting at refs. The crime Paul Pogba has committed so far in his professional career is leaving Manchester United to bet his own career. And he did that because him leaving Manchester United, he was able to play for Juventus and win four titles and become one of the most well-renowned players in the world. His crime is to be an unapologetic young black man that enjoys wearing fashionable clothes, dancing with his friends and that type of stuff. That's been his crime. Oh, and costing 89 million pounds. That's the crime Paul Pogba has committed. And his character is assassinated virtually daily. Virtually daily. He hasn't slept with his teammates' uh, mother. He hasn't slept with his teammates' wife and got them to have an abortion. He hasn't bit a professional footballer oh, three times. He has not uppercut a DJ at a nightclub. He has not got a 15-year-old pregnant. He has not racially abused somebody else. He has not gone out and deliberately injured a player ending their career. He has not called out a list of his teammates. But his character is routinely assassinated. Routinely. When you see these pundits, and I'm talking football here, say the word attitude with black player, it just means the N-word. That's basically what they're trying to say. Because they are questioning people's character with 0.0% evidence. Regarding Paul Pogba, literally, you can pull out dozens of accounts from people from all the organisations he's been in, and they say he's literally the most humble, smart, polite person. People say when United are doing media days that he actually, he's not just a tick box exercise, like he proper takes time to make the days of the people that he's going to see, or he'll stop and speak to the dinner lady or whoever at the club. This sounds like a well-grounded young man, but he doesn't get accolades like that. He is constantly criticised for his character. Not his play. Criticising his play is one thing. And the demonization of his character leads to overzealous and very, very harsh and inaccurate critique of his game. But even forget his game, people are questioning the contents of his character because he does not behave like he's happy to be here. In this country, and I'm sure many other countries in the Western world, if you are a black athlete or a black entertainer and you do not operate in a manner where you're just happy to be here, there's problems. Tammy Abraham, Chelsea striker, didn't have the greatest of games. I can't remember what game it was exactly. But you got dancers of racial abuse. Let me look at the 18-19 season. Let me just give you a quick few bullet points of some of the racially motivated incidents that footballers have faced. In December, a banana skin was thrown at the pitch between at, um, Emirates, which is Arsenal Stadium, by a Spurs fan. After Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I think he's from Gabon, if I'm not correct. After he scored for Arsenal. December, Raheem Sterling um, was called a black cunt when he played away at Chelsea. This is actually caught on camera. March, Chelsea lodged, um, lodged a complaint over racial abuse faced by Callum Hudson and Doye, the young starlet, when they played away at Dynamo Kiev in Ukraine. March, England report racial abuse of players during a 5-1 win over Montenegro. Calorie again. 19-year-old Moise Keane and um, Blaise Matuidi were also racially abused. And listen to this. Leona Bonucci, which was his teammate, suggests that um, Keane was partly to blame for this by his actions, like how he was celebrating and doing skills and stuff. Imagine a man saying, oh yeah, the reason why they're... I don't want to talk about that actually before I get angry. Um, in April, Derby winger um, Dwayne Holmes, our winger defender and uh, Nathaniel Byrne are targeted by a racial, a racial racial abuse in the championship. April, Dini and Watford teammate Adrian Manyapa and Christian um, Kabalase received racial abuse on social media and Ashley Young got it again in, um, in April. And let's not forget um, Salah in April 2019 um, Chelsea fans were singing chants. They recorded themselves. This is how brazen these imbeciles are. They recorded themselves singing chants, basically calling him a bomber. And those people were barred from Chelsea. This is just just snippets of racial abuse of, um, experienced by players. And these are top, top professionals at the height of football. 
on TV, like you can literally see these racial abuses happen or fans actually recording themselves doing this, which is even more bizarre. And many people ask, and how is this still happening in 2019? How? Well, first of all, it's a reflection of society. Society is still racist, despite all the different bits of legislation that we have put in place and all these things that have improved, like it's now less socially acceptable as it was, let's say, 50 years ago to hold these racist views. But the reason why it's still happening at this level and this velocity is simply because, in my opinion, and I think it's very difficult to argue against this, that the authorities do not care or do not care enough and they have done nothing in the grand scheme of things to deter people or protect the players. So, let's get on to this. There's a thing called Kick It Out. And it is English Football's Equality and Inclusion Organisation, established in 1993, so 25 years old. So this is an organisation that is aimed to help with the racial issues faced in the country. So, imagine the Premier League had a um, kick it out campaign after all the stuff happened with Sterling and all the Murphy players. It was dubbed like almost like a celebration. They put kick it out on the t-shirts and all the merch and all the promotional packages. However, outgoing chairman of the kick it out organization, Lord Oosley, forgive me if I got his name wrong, advised that he wanted a full review of the past 25 years. He wants to know exactly what you man, aka the football authorities and clubs have been doing to tackle racism. Of course, that was duly ignored and kick it out weren't even included in the um, Premier League's um, No to Racism campaign. Of course, because you can't include a man that you're not answering the questions. So to me, I don't like to assume, but what are the potential reasons for an organisation as big as a Premier League not, and a football association and all these other organisations, not answering Kick It Out's pretty simple request for a full review on what the fuck have you man done in the last 25 years to address racism in this country. And my personal opinion is because you lot haven't done anything. The grand scheme of things. A club can do, a club's fans could do a bunch of racist stuff and then you'll find them like the salary of their bench player for a week. How's that going to impact anything? It doesn't make any sense. Earlier I mentioned John Barnes and how people like him as a black person who really and truly kind of legalizes some of the racism going on with these ridiculous comments, basically trying to make players seem less human and they should kind of accept certain things because they happen to be really fortunate. And also back to what John Barnes said earlier, I even forgot to mention, he was talking about the real racism is when people who are uneducated have no opportunities. What are you talking about? Dozens of young black children are highly educated. In fact, young black African men and women, men and women are some of the best um, uh, earners postgraduate around the age of 25 and do some of the best um, and produce some of the best um, GCSE and A-level scores. And we're still experiencing racism at higher degrees. When, when people look at you, they're not looking at you like, hmm, you look like you got four A's at A-level. No. <laughs> the, the shutting down of opportunities the different treatment that you receive, the microaggressions will happen to black people no matter if you are super educated or not. Obviously, the more higher educated you are, the more economical power you are, the more protection you have against it. But everybody still experiences it. And the proof should be in the pudding, the fact that Premier League players are experiencing it and they are, and you'll have thousands of people with their names on the back of their shirts. So that was idiotic coming from John Barnes. Anyway, as I was saying, when you have um, black men and women, and this probably happens more with black men, to be fair. Maybe that's why the, the streets call us the weakest link, but that's a story for another day, and I don't really care about that shit. Basically, come out and make these type of statements, it essentially legalizes what the authorities from these organizations are doing or not doing in terms of tackling racial injustices. And I want to use the NFL. The reason I'm going to bring in the NFL is because we've seen a lot of blowback for Jay-Z and his deal with the NFL. 
And I wanted to tie it in because uh, people have been debating recently on why footballers haven't done as much. So I thought if I begin the NFL and show an example of when the athletes do do something, then it will maybe tie in better to why we don't see more athletes doing more stuff and what can be done. So the NFL. For those who don't know, who don't know the NFL is the National Football League in America. It's their, it's their most popular sport and it is American football. Very great sport. I'm a massive NFL fan now. And also shout out my guys, T and Touchdowns. Listen to their podcast. is actually really, really good. So check that out. So there's a gentleman called Colin Kaepernick, a black quarterback and one of the most, he used to play for the San Francisco 49ers. On August the 26th, in a preseason game against the Green Bay Packers, Colin Kaepernick did not stand for the American National Anthem and they always have the National Anthem before the games because, you know, Americans are super duper patriotic. Jobless, jobless, jobless people. Um, people said that this is disrespectful to the vets. You know, Americans are very, very patriotic. They're very pro-military. So Cap was like, I'm like, I'm not disrespecting no vet. I'm just sitting down to protest the racial inequities that are in this country. When you look at things like police brutality and the killing of unarmed black men and women in America. Common sense, we're like, okay, cool. This is what you're doing. Okay, cool. You're not trying to disrespect us. You're trying to raise awareness. But obviously, patriotism and just pure propaganda has caused a massive storm. So Colin Kaepernick said he spoke with a vet who said who understood his decision and said maybe as a compromise he can show respect to the flag and still protest by sort of standing for the national anthem like everybody else, just taking a knee. And that's what Colin Kaepernick did. This caused a massive controversy. And basically, instead of the focus being on, oh, Colin Kaepernick is protesting. Why is he protesting? Oh, the racial injustices faced by African-Americans and other ethnic minorities in the United States of America. It was literally that, how dare you do this? You are, but you are disrespecting our flag. You are disrespecting our country to the point where people started not wanting to watch the NFL anymore due to this protest. That is how bad it was. And for those who don't know, in the NFL they have rosters of fifty-three men because it's quite a quite a man-heavy game. There's thirty-two teams, fifty-three players. In fact, let me do the quick math. So let me just give you an example of how many players there is. That's thirty-two. So that's one thousand, just over, just under one thousand seven hundred players. If I was to ask you, tell you how many nils, not that many. We had obviously Eric Reed, we had um, Brandon Marshall of the Denver, of Denver Broncos, Marcus Peters, Marcus Peters of Kansas City Chiefs. He raised his fist instead. Martellus Bennett and Devin McCourtney they raised their fist. They used to, they paid for New England at the time. I think McCourtney's still there. Janani Jenkins, Arian Foster, Kenny Stills, and Michael Thomas from Miami Dolphins, they nailed. In fact, they played a game in England against, uh, it was the Saints, yeah, against the New Orleans Saints. And I actually went to that game and I, I saw all of those players nailed as well. I was quite impressed by that. Um, uh, Mike Evans from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he, um, he nailed. And Seth um, Devalve, Cleveland tight end, in 2017, he was the first white player to not to either kneel or sit in 2017. When this protest stuff got really heated is when President Trump got involved. Yeah? Obviously, when you're not really doing much in the in your office, you need to get a bit of propaganda. And he just jumped on a wave. So he basically he said basically that I can't lie. If you don't stand for the anthem, you shouldn't be in this country. And this is one of his quotes. I remember watching this and I couldn't, one of the few times I was like shell-shocked. A lot of things Trump says, like, don't really surprise me. In fact, they make me laugh because I'm thinking, raw. Trump is crazy, you know? This man is mad. He said this, and I quote, wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when someone dis somebody disrespects our flags to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out. He's fired, he's fired. Trump said this on the 22nd of September 2017. So imagine the president of the United States of America referring to the African-American players who are protesting the injustices faced by African-Americans in America, refer to them as son of a bitches and asking the owners to fire them. For doing what? Peacefully protesting. 
that is one of the most undemocratic things possible. So bear in mind, these are players who are actually protesting what happens with. And for people saying, what happens to all those other players, their sellouts? I want people to be aware that when you look at American sports, especially African-American players, if you look at the NBA, you look at the NFL, if you actually look at their personal Instagram pages or the Instagram pages of the clubs that they play for, or the franchise that they play for, a lot of them do mad work in their communities. They are proper community driven. But you get certain blowbacks when you start to talk. So every single player that was talking or made comments about the anthem protest, what will happen is what? Guess, character assassination. So people are like, oh, shut up. You had this domestic violence issue in 2008. Oh, shut up. You had this issue. Oh, shut up. But that is why, in my opinion, a lot of athletes don't say anything. Because once they talk, people start digging up their past and they use it to stick to bash them. And NFL is a different sport to football here. Like their contracts aren't guaranteed. And you can be blackboard very, very easily. Like when you protest, you're literally putting your job on the line. And I remember certain owners basically saying, yo, my team, I know nobody in my team is protesting. We're standing for the flag. Remember the Dallas Cowboys owner said that. So essentially, these players were being strong-armed not to peacefully protest as Americans because their owner said so. And you got to remember, these owners are, I think the vast majority of them are very old white billionaires. And a lot of them have are in deep with the military and quite a few of them donated to President Trump's um, presidential campaign. And I remember, um, and then so obviously it was, it was reaching boiling point after this because before nobody was really kneeling too tough, but obviously after the Trump, President Trump's come to send, all of a sudden, Bear Man were kneeling. And then Bear teams were doing some funky wasteman shit. So the Pittsburgh Steelers, they said, okay, cool. Since we, since our team is divided on how we're going to protest, we're just going to stay in the locker room. But two players, who I think, who were ex-army, went outside to witness the, to stand for the national anthem, which made no sense. I'm watching Dallas Cowboys view Arizona. They're all linked arms, then kneeled, then got back up. It was the weirdest thing. Like some synchronized dance. Like, what are you lot doing? I remember, I think, was it Derek Carr and what's his name? Um, Khalil Mack must have linked arms instead to say, oh, we're white and black and we love each. Basically, a lot of just bullshit. Like, either protest or fuck off. Like, man, was just doing anything. And they were only really protesting because President Trump came out and disturbed. When Kaepernick was doing it, man, weren't doing anything. <laughs> So there's a there was a players coalition um, that came together, and then there was a meeting between them, team executives, and the owners regarding this whole race, um, this race, this race row, and obviously the protest. And during that meeting, Houston Texas owner Bob McNair said, and I quote: "We can't have the inmates running the prison." In response to NFL players taking the Nigerian national anthem. So imagine you bearing in mind that NFL is probably like seventy percent African American. The people who are protesting are like ninety nine percent African American, and they are protesting the racial injustice faced, especially police brutality to unarmed black men, women. And you are saying you are referring to them as inmates in the prison. So what is that saying about how the owners view the players? Most people thinking this is a plantation mentality. And, it, and I'm, you can't really disagree with them. So that's the background of what happened in America when, when it started with Colin Kaepernick in terms of when athletes took it upon themselves to protest racial injustices and also strong arming from organisation and from the president. Fast forward it two years. August 2013. Jay-Z and the NFL announced a deal between Rock Nation and the NFL, which enables them to help select artists for the Super Bowl, as well as playing an important role in the Inspire Change Initiative. The NFL and the Players Coalition, a group of NFL players seeking to advance social and racial justice, the initiative focused on three causes in particular, education and economic advancement, police and community relations, and a criminal justice reform. Sounds all good. This is the reason why it's not all good. Yeah. See this this guy Jay Z, who is actually one of my favorite 
rappers of all time. I think he's probably the best rapper of all time. This deal is not having him look good in the lights. Now I'm going to tell you why. Jay-Z was negotiating this deal for months. Sorry, pardon me. Jay-Z was negotiating this deal for several months. And people weren't really impressed with it. Should I tell you why people weren't impressed with it? One, you are wearing... First of all, Colin Kaepernick hasn't been... Ever since his contract, um, he opted out of his contract, he hasn't played or been... Played a single snap in the NFL. No team has made a significant offer in terms of, yeah, here's a contract to come and play for us. He got offered, I think, like, to come to... There was a talk of him coming to work out with a team, but they, I think they asked him, what are you going to nail? And he was like, of course. Then they're like, okay, they're receiving that offer to work out. And bearing in mind, I watch NFL, Kaepernick is better than at least 40% of the starting QBs and 99% of all the backup QBs. So there's no way in hell Kaepernick should have a job. This is a guy who's been to the Super Bowl. He's actually, his last season, he threw 15 touchdowns and seven interceptions, which is a pretty good ratio. So this is somebody who's more than capable to have a job and has been blackboard for obvious reasons. He took the NFL to court. Everybody thought he had no chance and they settled. And many of us speculate the NFL settled because if those documents touch road, it's a magazine. Cool. Now fast forward to 20 to 2019 August, Jay-Z signed a still. Why are some of us, including me, a massive Jay-Z fan, and I'm a massive advocate for people doing capitalistic things, not happy with a still? Jay-Z wore Kaepernick's jersey. Jay-Z did not, Jay-Z's cap did not consult with Kaepernick on this whatsoever. Jay-Z, um, Rock Nation, Jay-Z has been rumoured to tell Jermaine Dupree not to accept uh, performing and being involved in the Super Bowl. Known to criticise Travis Scott for performing at the Super Bowl. But around either that time or shortly after, you start, a negotiation, start negotiations on your company basically headhunting and organising the performance for the Super Bowl. How does that make sense? And you know, and you damn well know what Roger Goodell and the NFL um, owners did to Colin Kaepernick. And now you have basically, your deal with them has basically legalized what they've been doing to not only Colin Kaepernick, but how they basically crushed the peaceful protest of black players in the NFL. And people will be like, oh, you can't criticize JD, Jay-Z because Kaepernick wants to play and Eric Reed is currently playing. They never said they don't want to play. Their problem is with the blackballing and the crushing of peaceful protest, taking away their right to peaceful protest. That's the issue. And how they don't care about um, the issues faced by ethnic minorities. JC is a billionaire. JC don't need the NFL to be doing stuff in the community. He's been doing it already. For those who've seen the free Meek documentary, you know what JC has been on. This to me and many others, until we see otherwise, it's nothing more than a money grab situation. And when, um, sorry, and when Jay-Z was asked about it, he was shuffling. He was shuffling. Like you could see in the video, he didn't, he was just like stuttering all over the gaff. Stuttering all over the gaff. It was embarrassing. And this is one of the issues that people that um that has been that's been faced right now. When you have when the powers that be get a very very popular high status black man or woman, but in this case a man, I'm more likely a man, to basically legalize their madness. And here's an, and there's two comments that Jay Z made recently that's making people think, Jay, what the hell are you on about? grew up in and you think about the idea of uh, growing up in a single parent house which I grew up in which me grew up in and having an adverse feeling for authority right your father's gone so you're like I hate my dad well, nobody tell me what to do I'm the man in the house and then you hit the street and you run into a police officer and his first thing is put your hands up freeze shut up and you're like 
excuse my language, everybody, you like, fuck you. Right? So that, in, that interaction causes people to lose lives. My guy, what are you on about? Like, what are you talking about? Yes. When, if you look at the data, especially in America, the impact of a father not being at home in terms of likelihood to be involved in crime, likelihood to be involved in violence, likelihood to be on drugs, likelihood to get into poverty is night and day. It's, it's very, very obvious and evident and there's a strong correlation between that. However, to link fathers not being at home to the young men not respecting any authority to the point where faced with danger without committing any crime or issue they're going to start essentially mouthing off to police officers and get themselves killed for those who've seen virtually all these videos that we are even lucky to see of when black men are being killed unarmed by the police how many of them do you see giving the police lip or mad, mad resistance. Barely any. Barely any. What is he talking about? I just don't get it. And he's making himself look very, 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 very funny in the lights. So, let me even find the initial video. This morning, Jay-Z making headlines for his new partnership with the NFL and his comments about the protests that sparked their relationship, opening up about their new venture in this video provided by the league. I think we've passed kneeling. Yeah, I think it's time to go into uh, actionable items. The rapper and businessman has been a longtime supporter of Colin Kaepernick, the quarterback who started a movement by taking a knee during the national anthem to protest police brutality and racial inequality. Everybody know, I agree with what you're saying. So what are we gonna do? You know what I'm saying? So reach millions and millions of people and or we get stuck on Colin not having a job. job, job that is job. ridiculous. Get stuck, it's not about stuck on Colin having a job. Is your partnering up with the people are stopping Colin having a job and they're using you and you know why they're using you because it mutually benefits you because you you can make money from it and it's a fast track for you to be an NFL owner, a very exclusive club, which is virtually impossible to get in. In fact, it's easier to be an American senator than to own an NFL team. And they're just basically like, oh, and even you could tell the lack of conviction in his voice, the stuttering, the mumbling about, oh, it's time to move on past news about action items. Man, I've been doing actionable items, period. What are you talking about? You've been doing actionable items yourself. So what? Next time there's a big issue, players can't protest because we're past kneeling. What are you talking about? And see, this is the issue and this is one of the problems that athletes are going to face when it's time, when it comes to what they're going to do. Like, I've had questions of people asking me, should players um, boycott games? Me, personally, if I was a footballer, and I'll be racially abused, I'll walk off. I'm not entertaining you, you're racially abused, you're sick. I will not tolerate that in my, my working environment. I'll probably boycott games. But not everybody's wired the same. Not everybody has the same level of ability, um, willingness to take in that confrontation. And I think that for there to be serious action in terms of maybe addressing, first of all, the players need to decide what actions do we want as a collective? So do we want um, clubs to be dot points? Do we want there to be heavy fines? Like how do we want the authorities to tackle this? And what do we want them to also do in our relative communities? Um, do we, we want to see, we want to see, do we want to see like a strong level of campaign and PR Similar, you know, like how we had Pride Month not too long ago, Pride Week or Month, can't remember. And then we saw a very, very strong campaign everywhere. Like shops were putting it and changing their logos and putting the, um, the Pride colours everywhere. You saw certain um, phone applications changing, Premier League clubs were changing their badges. Maybe we can see that level of campaign in terms of when it comes to the anti-racism as well. We need to see something. 
And I think that it's up to the players because the players shouldn't be the ones doing this because they're the ones who are the targets, the victims. People should be coming to their defence, i.e. the clubs and authorities. But it's evidently they're not going to do it. So the players have to force them to do so. And obviously I'm not a employment um, contract lawyer, so I don't know it's any stipulations, but I think the players should boycott. And it has to be high-profile players, high-profile teams, and they have to get the back end of the clubs. But the problem is, and I think not enough people are taking this in, and I think the players know, and I'm pretty much aware, they will get backlash for it. And I could just see it now. Yeah, racism's bad, but we spent so much to come to this game. Oh, we spent so much on our season ticket. We spent so much on Sky Sports. You lot are getting paid so much money. It's not that many people we can kick them out. It's ruining it for the rest of us. And then all of a sudden, any misdemeanor, any skeleton in a closet of these black players will be brought to light. Book it. I'll bet big P on that. That's what was going to happen. And they know that. And that's the problem. Um, I've asked, I've seen people ask, and rightly feel so, what, what, has, what have players ever done before? And... I was searching online and I tried all different types of searches, but all I can see is from the April this year, 24-hour pathetic boycott of social media. Sorry, players. I'm pro players, but that was dumb. You're, you don't even tweet that much. You're not even on social media that much. Like, what is you boycotting your Insta, your Snapchat, your Twitter doing? Who's it affecting? Nobody. If you want to do a boycott, say we're not talking to no media. None of you, don't come, don't come talk to us after the game, before the game. We're not giving Sky Sports or BT Sports or Talk Sport or whoever. No interviews, no nothing. We're not talking to any of you, man. And don't do that. Don't do that for a weekend. Do it for a month or something. Not going on your own social media page. How's that boycott? That doesn't make sense. It's ridiculous. And I agree with the people, boycott probably needs to be the next step in action for the players to take. But at the same time, I would never, ever, ever put um, like negative views on players who are not going to who don't want to risk potentially their livelihoods to protest I don't blame people because it's affected people in the NFL and in America anyway long podcast rant over some questions so I want to from now on I'm going to ask the streets questions and I'm going to answer them and the question doesn't have to be in line with the topic of the podcast it could be about absolutely anything so the first question is from uh, a young troublemaker called Jada London, who, af- who after insinuating I dislike black women, which is a lie, but she's a troublemaker, asks me, and I quote, nah, she's like, nah, South Londoner. Nah, but Boris breakdown of these days says PM and the last 24 hours. Proper typing like it's MySpace. Um, so a breakdown of Boris Johnson's last 24 hours. Bear in, so I'm recording on Wednesday, the 4th. MPs, essentially tried to stop a no-deal Brexit because Boris was trying to slide that through. They pammed his ass in the vote, 328 to 301 on Tuesday. So he lost that, which was quite embarrassing. Also, and that announced his first vote as MP. Now the opposition and some Tories who are not on his side have control. In essence, if Boris can't, show to the, can't get a new deal with the EU, they want to pass a law making Boris... Um, asked for an extension to the Brexit process. Obviously, the Brexit is um, October 31st, 2019. So they do not want to see no no-deal stuff. If you can't get a new law, we're not, we're, not, we're not leaving on 31st. Get an extension again. However, Boris is being bullish. Shock. He said, listen, if you man even try it, yeah, I'll call a general election under the notion of the Fixed-Term Parliament Act, which I mentioned on my previous podcast. So he's like, yeah, I dare you, election time. And he'll need two-thirds of MPs to do so. What are Labour saying about this? We don't really know if they want to take him on or not, but they're basically saying, yo, listen, we'll do this as long as you take no deal off the table, which Boris Johnson is unlikely to do. Hence the whole hoopla. One of the funniest, um, also Tory MPs who rebelled, so basically Tory MPs who vote against Boris Johnson are being banned from the party, which is absurd. <laughs> people who vote, who won their votes, who won their constituency by the people's vote are being kicked out because they vote against the government. 
I remember as I always said a dysonomics podcast, incentives drives behavior. And I talked about whips and how politicians will vote where their party tells them to vote. And this is why they do so, because they get kicked out. One of the people who's been kicked out includes Philip Hammond, who was the former chancellor. So he's a big player under Theresa May. And shout out Philip Lee, who during <laughs> the proceedings walked from the Tory side to the Lib Dem side and sat with them. Like he literally defected. Like it was mad. Like this was on WWE shit. And that eventually took away Boris Johnson's majority. He has no majority. So he's really done that here. Um, my guy said, but he asked two questions. One, with Jeremy Corbyn sitting on the fence, not winning an election because he would have to pick us because he would have to pick a side. Are we at a stage where Boris can't believe I'm saying this is the best in a horrible situation? Um, I don't think we are. As much as I am not a fan of Jeremy Corbyn's politics, um, Boris Johnson's an absolute buffoon, a racist. Oh, did I mention he's a buffoon? So nah, nah, nah. F him. And he also asked, second question, um, pros and cons of a no-deal Brexit. So I'm going to quickly try to run through these because it's quite a complex topic. But the pros, um, so while supporters of Brexit have cited a uh, World Trade Organization's um, Trade Facility Agreement, TFA, which says that the EU has to treat the UK fairly once they break up. Leading Brexiter Jacob Rees-Mogg, uh, Rick Jason, Jacob Rees-Mogg, has accused the former Chancellor Philip Hammond of failing to acknowledge that any case the EU standards or border controls that affect the UK negatively will be illegal under the WTO's anti-discrimination rule but the BBC don't believe this claim stamped any scrutiny. Also, in terms of the issues with the Irish backstop, technology can be used to avoid this, where they can avoid physical checks by using technology, so satellites checking your phones, but it's expensive. The cons of a no-deal Brexit is that the UK will revert to the World Trade Organization rules on trade if no deal was agreed. This means UK exports to Eurozone will face the same customs checks and tariffs. Tariffs are essentially just an added tax on imports as other non-member states. Analysts agree that the overnight end of frictionless zero-tariff trade will likely lead to shortages and price increase for a number of goods and cause significant delays on both sides of the channel. An elite research um, carried out by Whitehall, the Brexit department, suggests that without a deal, the government expects a return of a hard border with Ireland, which is violent in the Good Friday Agreement. And also you've got Office of Budget, Budget Responsibility claim that economic growth may stagnate. They claim GDP may drop 2% and an increase of public borrowing of 30 billion, which will lead to a recession. But OBR are not the most accurate of people. So those are the pros and cons. Make of it what you will. Um, so, at, and he's online, asks, is it possible to watch football in this country with the TV not on mute? The racism country is too much. Question, will it ever change as you're only 4% of the population? Um, will it change... Yes, only if we force it to. So that's my short answer. Made it Moyes asks, or asked, my English is terrible. Could starting the age of employment as young as 14 reduce crime with youth, but also improve the progression of the lower class? Um, potentially, but you have to create these jobs first. And there's the issue of exploitation and what jobs can these young people do? Um, I'm not sure how much, how it, how much it will impact crime because really and truly um, low economic areas have a lot of crime and they just don't have jobs available, period, let alone to even younger people with who are less likely to be productive and have skills and experience. Very good question there. Nubian Nerd asks, what industries would face, face the biggest threats to their human workforce due to AI and machine learning? AI is artificial intelligence. Um, so some of the industries, agriculture, obviously you could get machines to come out here and do hella stuff. Uh, like it said that Canada could suffer 100,000 job losses um, due to AI in agriculture. Um, call centers, energy and mining, healthcare. So in terms of healthcare, predicting diseases, identifying high-risk patient groups, increased speed and accuracy of treatment. Intellectual properties, one. IT service management, software development. So these are the industries that could potentially... Uh, have the biggest human threat, I mean, human um, job threat to AI. Tolly T asks, how do you balance being a gentleman at work and toxic in the streets? I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> That's actually a funny question. Um, I don't know, life's hard being a real, being a real G, I guess. Um, and I'm not toxic. I don't think I'm toxic. 
at all. I'm a gentleman. I'm a true liar. Anyway, FX Librarian asks, what are your recommended reads or watches for people self-educating on personal finance and what can we expect to learn from each one? So I recommend Making Sense podcasts. They're really good. You can learn so much about finance and personal finance. So check them out from from like wealth and investment, um, basic advice. They're obviously not financial advisors, but they give you like the fundamental information to stuff about like ISAs, all types of things, interest rates, quite similar topics to mine as well sometimes. Um, ladies, um, my good friend Bola Soul from Refined Currency, she's got a thing called Rich Girl, I think it's called Rich Girl Club, RGC. So it's like a, a group, I think it's on WhatsApp, where you talk about financial advice and you get like tips on investments and all types of stuff. So that's something you should get involved in and just follow for fine currency anyway. And in terms of podcasts, BBC, if you listen to BBC, they've got quite a few good ones, like the money podcast, the daily or the weekly ones. And it just gives you like little tidbits on in terms of what's going on in the economy, uh, different savings accounts coming up and, and just all different types of um, information. And yeah, I think that is it. So that's it for my slightly earlier recorded podcast because i am off to enjoy my 30th birthday abroad please any questions that you would like to ask about this podcast or to be answered the next one either email to at hello to hello at thisunomics.com uh you can tweet me at underscore nomics on twitter and make sure you follow at thisunomics pod on instagram and you can um, send questions to there also thisunomics is on youtube Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend, tell a friend. Until next week, peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.